Uh, so I got um I got junk callers the other day. Junk callers. Uh, yeah, like the the college hunks hauling junk, <laughs> which yeah, uh, sure. I know. I first of all, these gentlemen seemed quite removed from their college days, uh, <laughs> but it, it's still sort of weird to uh, to be like perusing the internet for something. Uh, that that seems kind of sexually suggestive <laughs> when really you're like, ah, oh, I got a bunch of heavy tarps. I don't want to move. Uh, <laughs> what? You, you had a problem with Googling college hunks? No, not a problem with it. I'm just saying I, I had to clear my search history afterwards. Well, I'll tell um, you the one time I did, I was disappointed that by all the uh, moving and hauling org- organizations that I got. They didn't come in French-made outfits whatsoever. Ah. <laughs> no, but really, it's like, it's weird. It's weird to be paying somebody that, you know, it's like you get a plumber and they've got specialized tools and they've got know-how and everything. Uh, with the junk callers, it's it's <laughs> like, hey, I'm fucking lazy, man. <laughs> I really don't want to do this shit. You want to do this shit? Uh, okay, here you go. There's no skill involved. It's just guys with arms, and you're sitting there with your arms, just like, eh, yep, I don't feel like doing this. Yeah. Mm, mm, nah, you do it. <laughs> and it's like, and then at the end, I'm like, okay, well, first of all, it was kind of expensive, and then I was like, well, I guess I should tip them. Ooh. But, uh... I don't know, because it's kind of like, in a way, it's like tipping uh, furniture movers, uh-huh. except for you don't care if they do a good <laughs> job moving it, and you don't get the stuff back ever. Here's so it's like, it's just like tipping the worst movers here's that a, ever existed. Here's a little extra money for breaking all my stuff and getting it out of my house. That's, uh... Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> all right. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another interrupted tale. Hello, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Interrupted Tales, the show where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Rob, and this is my friend, Alan. I'm here. (laughs) I'm a person. And uh, this week, uh, we're reading this one. We're going way back in the archives, the Interrupted Tales archives. We're reading a story from May 1st, 1915. From Top Notch Magazine. And uh, it's called Tardis the Terrible by H. Hesketh Pritchard. It's very, sounds very <laughs> intriguing. It's a prequel to Hagar the Horrible, right? Oh, <laughs> are they brothers? Oh. <laughs> All right. Tardis the Terrible. Dinner had just commenced for the Baron de Tardis. He sat alone in front of a heavy table. A single attendant stood behind his chair. From time to time, he lifted his dark, bearded face and laughed as a man does who enjoys a cynical recollection. What's that? Give, can you give me your cynical recollection laugh, please? Oh, man. Remember the rent is too damn high, guy? Oh, simpler times, man. <laughs> Uh, But there was no mirth in the laughter, nor any glint of humor in the hard, black eyes. Pierre, he called. Yes, Monsieur Le Baron, was the reply. I grow lonely. I must have company. (laughs) Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Yes, Monsieur Le Baron, came the same reply. Is the Comte André de Laval at home? asked the Baron. Yes, Monsieur Le Baron, repeated the man with a grin. Then I shall be glad of his company. Pierre crossed the room and touched, or seemed to touch, a spring in the wall, 
for a panel backed with iron, on which was painted a scene of the chase, slipped back, disclosing an aperture behind it. Across the mouth of this aperture, which evidently belonged to a secret chamber, thick iron bars showed in the lamplight. Ooh, is this where they keep sloth? <laughs> he loves Chunk. He just loves him. Light Monsieur Le Comte's lantern, ordered Detardus. Pierre picked up a taper, and in another moment he had kindled a light which threw the whole interior into relief. An iron cage had been introduced into the secret chamber, and from between its bars a human face peered forth through a thatch of hair and beard uncut for months. Oh, Patrick Rothfuss cameo. <laughs> or, you know, any time we've worked from home for a period of time. Hey, man, I, I dress up for the home office. <laughs> the Baron de Tardis rose in his place and bowed low. Permit me to greet you, my dear Comte, said he. You devil, was the Count's response. Tut-tut, this is very foolish. But I will pass it over since you are so young. Let me see, how old are you? The man in the cage made no reply. Let me see, you were twenty-three when... When you betrayed and trapped me, put in the prisoner. I, you know, some people appreciate free room and board, but I guess not you. And you have enjoyed my hospitality for just eleven months. You are, therefore, 24 years old. Well, okay, mathematically speaking, his birthday could still be coming up for the next month, so get the spanking machine ready. By the way, Pierre, when did Monsieur le Comte dine last? On Tuesday, Monsieur le Baron, said Pierre. And this is Thursday, exclaimed the Baron. Tut, tut, he must be hungry. Take him a cup of this excellent soup, Pierre. I'm sorry, it's a progresso low sodium. My doctor <laughs> says I've got to watch my blood pressure from all the stress of being evil. <laughs> By the way, I love I love how the uh, the French accents lasted about two paragraphs <laughs> into this story. Well, yeah, it's um, as people know, I, I come from what's a the it's the Basque region. It's the Basque I, mean, region. Have... I come from a family of fake Frenchmen. And so oh, okay. um, it's just a family trait. You know, we start off strong. And we end up uh, not French. Um, and Pierre, Pierre, Pierre did what he, as he was bidden and passed a cup of soup through the bars. The wretched prisoner seized it and swallowed the liquid. You love life, sneered the Baron watching him. Man, not really an insult. Also, choose life, Rob. <laughs> While I live, I hope, said the Count. For what, my good fool, was the next question, that some day, some day you may lie at my mercy. Oh, come on, can we just have one nice dinner together? <laughs> the Baron laughed long and loudly. You are of a sanguine disposition. He remarked, and then turning to Pierre, Go! I desire a tete-a-tete -tete with Monsieur. As soon as they were alone, the Baron helped himself to a huge grilled bone. <laughs> when he had cut off the greater part of the meat, he caught up the bone and hurled it at the man of the cage. There! He cried, Feast! And be merry! And don't forget, every Thursday night is soup and bone night down <laughs> at the Baron's. <laughs> Uh, the bone struck the bars and fell to the ground. The Baron de Tardis, with his eyes fixed on the prisoner, continued his dinner. Dish after dish he ate and pushed away. Then at last he poured out a great bumper of wine and drained it. Uh, Pierre picked out a nice Sauvignon Blanc. It pairs quite well with grandstanding malice. <laughs> and now, said he, as he sat down, I have news for you, my dear Comte. Enough kibbles and bits. Let's get down to business, bitches. I saw Mademoiselle today. She is more beautiful than ever. The prisoner in the cage, who had been sitting facing his tormentor, turned his back deliberately. Detartus smiled. It may interest you to know that I asked her whether she had changed her mind and would become my wife. Yeah, he even upped his offer by thirty goats. <laughs> 
The man in the cage sprang up. And she refused. I know it. She refused with contempt and scorn. Not at all, my dear Andre. You are wrong. It's a done deal, dude. <laughs> Bro code. Uh, she accepted. On one condition. What was that condition? Asked the prisoner. Oh, you know, we have to alternate holidays between our families ah. and it's just the airfare alone and it's so cramped and everyone's in a bad mood he's a baron he's not made of money jeez a condition which she thought impossible which we now which we know is by no means so replied his tormentor smoothly she imagines that you are not dead and declares that she will never accept me until she hears you renounce her with your own lips. I will die first, cried the Count. <laughs> well, let's not play that game. <laughs> Firsties. Uh, no doubt, my young friend, but unfortunately for you, it is not a question of dying, but of living. Ten, twenty, perhaps thirty years, like a blackbird in that comfortable cage. You fool! On the day when first I saw you cast your eyes on Adrian. I had this chamber prepared. On the day she consented to marry you, the cage was placed in it. Uh, three days after, the drywalling was finished, <laughs> but they didn't do a good job sanding, so they came back after the weekend and did it again, and then I had to look over so many paint swatches. <laughs> Twenty days later, my men waylaid you as you rode, singing through the woods. <laughs> tra-la-la, tra-la-la, on the way to my love, unmolested. As to Adrian, she does not know what has become of you any more than the rest of the world. Always accepting the good Pierre and myself. But one day she shall know. One day! Well, probably the day they sell the place. <laughs> Fully furnished an occupied prisoner cell. That's a pretty noticeable amenity in the listing. <laughs> so it's contingent deal. Oh, uh, yeah. He comes with the house. And you've got to keep him alive for as long as possible. Um, yes. And it does say that you have to feed him bones and soup uh, about once a week. <laughs> Not a deal breaker in this neighborhood. Um, That's right. It's a seller's market. You've made a good choice. <laughs> the Baron laughed suddenly and harshly. Ah, if she saw you now, what would she think of you? Would she love you still? You've changed from the debonair creature she remembers. The curling dark hair, the clear bronze cheeks. Where are they? And let's be frank. You haven't manscaped in months. But I forget. You've not seen yourself. Detarda seized a mirror, and crossing the floor, held it up to the cage. In it, André saw reflected a thing, hardly human, a wolfish face snarling from a mass of tangled hair. You are an animal. <coughs> he recoiled. You give me an idea. She shall see you, cried Detardus. She shall see you. Will she rush into your arms, I wonder, as she did under the chestnut trees? <laughs> good memory. Well, I'm just saying, not only good memory, but how much stalking was going on here? Oh, my God. Is that a birch? Oh, God. This is hot. I'm going <laughs> to... No, no. Uh, it's chestnut. I can't take it. I can't take it. Uh, part, part deux. Part deux. The Baron de Tardis could climb on the clearest day to the highest tower of his castle, and north, south, east, and west, as far as he could see, stretched his own land, and over its cowering inhabitants he held the right of the high justice, the middle, and the low. So, all the justice, basically. Well, uh, no, it's only one of three slotted types of justices. It if you're upper, upper middle, then you've got a little bit of leeway. But there's no Texas justice. Um, there's no justice genes. I'm just saying there's a lot not covered here. Okay, you're right. Far from the capital and shut in by his mountains and forests, he lived practically the life of a robber chieftain, the last survivor of those the fear of whom once lay heavy upon the countryside. 
He was indeed a terrible man, and at sight of his cold eyes and pointed beard, the children slunk into the thickets, and their parents trembled in the sunlight. Oh, dear Lord, a pointed beard. I mean, I thought he was evil before with a full <laughs> beard, but now that he's trimmed it down... Detardus was 43 years old when he first he saw Adrian de Cateret, Cateret, and from that hour he set himself to win her. Apart from her great beauty, she was well worth the winning, for she possessed broad lands in her own right. Uh, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single woman in possession of a good fortune must be in want of putting a ring on it. <laughs> Her father was dead, and she lived with her mother in the chateau of Normand. At first, de Tardis, who could be very pleasant when he so desired. I mean, sure, he's dishing out free soup left <laughs> and right. I mean, what a... That guy's got charm. Hey, he'll, he'll give a guy a bone. Um, it seemed, he'd seemed to make some headway in her good graces. But at the coming of the young Comte de Lavelle, all was changed. The handsome youth who possessed nothing but a few hundred barren acres in one of the farther of the Pyrenean valleys. Oh, jeez. Very middle class. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He, From the suburbs? <laughs> he get, he'd come and saw and conquered and was conquered in his turn. Oh, oh, oh. Vini, Vidi, Vidi. Am I right? I'm right. They, they didn't have good health care back no, then. no. Detardus found himself slighted, and he conceived and forgotten as he most truly was. And then one day, young Delavelle had gone hunting in the dark mountain woods, and from that hunt he never returned, for Detardus's men had waylaid and captured him after a desperate fight, and he was thrust, bleeding and wounded, into the cage which had been prepared for him. A story was circulated afterward by the retainers of the baron that Lavelle had been slain by a bear. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, and you better watch what you say about the bear, too, or, you know, maybe a bear shows up at your house in the middle of the night, and, hey, maybe he thinks your house in particular smells like honey, and, you know, uh, I'm not saying he's gonna mess anything up, but a bear's gonna do what a bear's gonna do. Bear. <laughs> ah. But, of course, his body was not recovered, and Adrienne continued to hope against hope that one day he would return to her. After a decent interval, Detardus renewed his suit, but Adrienne would not listen to him, exclaiming that if Andre were dead, she would die unmarried. And if he was alive, she would live unmarried, but if he was undead, like some sort of animated oh. skeleton, well, she'd have to contact her lawyer and work out the details. It's a, it's the tax situation. It's France. I mean, too much regulation. Am I right? Um, and when, You're right. And when Detardus hinted that the young man had loved and ridden away, she swore she would never believe that. Andre was fickle until she heard him. Yeah. <clears throat> and when Detardus hinted that the young man had loved and ridden away, she swore she would never believe that Andre was fickle until she heard him renounce her with his own lips. Adrian, I've spent 11 months trying to figure out exactly how to tell you this. So here it goes. I'm a fickle pickle, and you ain't all that this thing. Audi 5000, Lavelle out. Poop emoji, poop emoji, poop emoji. Oh, see, I, I forgot the poop emoji. <laughs> Such was the position of affairs on the summer evening when the Baron held the mirror to his prisoner's eyes. Part three. Oh, you, you don't know how to do that in French? Part three. 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 Oh. I, no, I, I don't. <laughs> you couldn't tell. It's uh, it's not menage a tray. Oh. I've been doing it wrong then. Um, oh. <laughs> the Baron de Tardis rode out from his castle gate and struck across the hills for Noamont. No, that means the Black Mountain. See? I know something. All right. okay. uh, he had made up his mind to try a new move in his game. Uh, yeah, it's where you do the alphabet with your tongue. <laughs> uh, 
I never get past G. And he passed slowly and thoroughly through. You get the tap out? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, never admit to Well, it. you started with an A, but then you got to F. <laughs> and he passed slowly and thoughtfully through winding valleys, along forested hillsides and stony ravines, till the sun was high, and he found himself overlooking a green hollow, beyond which rose the heights of Noamont the dark mountain that gave its name to Adrian's home. Hey, you could have written this story. (laughs) This was a huge, castellated building that stood out boldly upon one of the lower spurs of the mountain. Um, that's a castle. (laughs) Uh, No, we aren't rich. We live in a simple, castellated building (laughs) built on a mountain. It's a castle no we barely have any drawbridges i mean it's it sounds like we're rich but where we live that's not a lot of money so it's a gated community (laughs) as ditardus urged his horse up the steep roadway to the gate he argued with himself that fate who favors the brave should by all the rules of chance be with him in the daring bid for success that he was about to make Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, imprisoning your enemy for a year, that's some pretty A1 steak sauce level of bold. That's bold! That's bold. He believed that he had fathomed Adrian's Adrian's character, gauged her strength and her weakness, and on this knowledge he relied. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, she can clean and jerk 220, but you show her a baby (laughs) dressed as a sunflower, and it's all over. She came through the shadows of the vaulted hall to meet him, and he trembled as he bent over her hand and kissed it, for his hopes were risen high, and he was shaken by the thought that this beautiful girl soon might be his wife. She shuddered and withdrew her hand, but look, it's really working out for him here. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. She shuddered and withdrew her hand, but looked straight at him with eyes as deeply blue as the summer sky. Yeah, I mean, a shudder, that's a pretty subtle sign, but um, it's kind of definite. But, I mean, subtle. Subtle. She withdrew her hand so that she could wash it for touching him again later and then being repulsed again. It's all very straightforward. But she used a wet nap, which I think if you're you're looking at it from my point of view, there's, there's there's something there. From the folds of lace crossed upon, <clears throat> from the folds of lace crossed upon her bosom, her round neck rose proudly, its ivory accentuated by the splendor of her dark hair. Am I then so hateful to you? He asked, stepping back a pace as if to make her look at him. And in fact, he was a personable man, for though no taller than herself, he had the torso and shoulders of a Hercules. And the legs of a Michael Sarah. <laughs> His lean, large-featured face was far from uncomely. And I'm saying he skipped leg day. He skipped all very the days guess, that were leg Very Gaston of him. Uh, his yeah. lar- lean, large-featured face was far from uncomely, and once he had fancied that she had looked with kindness on him. She shook her head slightly, as if his question needed no answer. My mother is sleeping. She is wearied and ill, she said. Uh, she's come down with a touch of the glug glug. <laughs> but it's okay. It'll be evened out by a touch of the sniff sniff later on. Oh. It is you, mademoiselle, with whom I, wished, whom I wish to speak, he replied. It is, is it not time you cease to mourn for Monsieur de Lavelle? I must always mourn for him said Adrian. I can bear that, but give yourself to me. Uh, Yeah, uh, we we could do it together. It's kind of a mourners with benefits deal. (laughs) Pete pleaded the Baron. The years must teach you comfort. The law of the world is the law of change. I have told you that... I have told you that I do not believe that he is dead and that I will never give him up until his own lips disclaim my promise. In that case, I have news for you, said Detardus. Uh, we've found his skull, and I've started up this great new ventriloquist act. <laughs> the blood slowly left her face. 
he is alive? she asked. Yes, replied the baron. I have always felt it. For a moment she stood, too moved to speak, and then the words came. Who told you? How did you find out? Well, it, uh, it must be a service I don't use. Um, was it uh, WeChat? <laughs> Viber? Cacao Talk? Yik Yak? Swilfy? Q-Zone? Grinder? Where is he? The Tardis smiled as he watched her with his cold eyes. Oh, you are asking a great many questions, mademoiselle. In my turn, I will ask you one only. It is this. Why should I tell you? She turned a gaze of horror upon him. He wilted a little under its reproach. Mademoiselle, he continued, every man must fight for his own hand, since there is never another to fight for him. And you know that, though Monsieur de Lavelle is so fortunate as to possess your love today, I still have hopes. Which can never be fulfilled, said the girl coldly. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I mean, wait, what? <laughs> Which you say can never be fulfilled. But what if I were to find a way to change your resolves, perhaps even your affections? I don't want to say lobotomy, but listen, there are options. <laughs> options. It is not possible, she told him. Will you permit me to make the attempt? asked the TARDIS. To what end? No, Monsieur Le Baron. I will not permit you to make the attempt, seeing it would be useless. You forget that if you refuse to accept my terms, you will hear no more of Monsieur de Laval, suggested her suitor. She looked at him with loathing and contempt. What are your terms? she asked. Two, two million in unmarked bills, <laughs> a fully fueled helicopter, and five pizzas... And the crust better be stuffed, or so help me, I will start shooting. Hmm, okay, I can get the pizzas, but uh, I'm going to have to invent a helicopter, so you got to give me a couple weeks. No, today. <laughs> Come to my... Sh Six pizzas. <laughs> Do you see what messing with me gets you? Six pizzas. <laughs> she overplayed her hand. Uh, Come to my chateau, and I will answer your questions, and tell you all I know of the whereabouts of the Comte de Lavelle promised the Baron. My mother is not well enough to make the journey, parried Adrian. <laughs> you see there, you're right. She got a little bit of the... <laughs> <She'll get there>. <clears throat> what are we oh, doing? Yeah. Hey, yeah, what are yeah. we doing? She'll get there. Hey, oh, whoa, are we going to yeah. the Baron's? Uh, okay, yeah, let's do yeah, this. Is there dinner? Oh, who's cooking? Who's cooking? I'm hungry. Uh, there is no need for her to do so. You must come alone. You can return before dawn. You ask me to come at night and in secret? Like a moonlighting plumber? <laughs> Secrets. Uh, well, that's I can't I can't let my other day job know that I plumb at night. They don't they don't allow that. It's in the contract. Uh, you asked me to come at night. They specifically <laughs> says, "Do you plumb at any other?" job than this one. Uh, the girl exclaimed in astonishment. You know, it is impossible. I will not. Pierre shall meet you in the valley and bring you back again, said the TARDIS. Then, as she stared at him, the Baron bowed low before her. I go, mademoiselle, said he, but I will return tomorrow. If you do not then agree to my condition, you will never hear of your lover again. <laughs> All right, well, let's mull over that decision while we take a break. All right, Rob, so... What do you think of our story? So um, I think it's. Uh, I think I probably should have read it before now, um, because there's a lot of French things in it. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting, you know. It's kind of a um, reverse uh, Poe story. You know, the guy's locked away at the beginning, and uh, but I, I really. Oh, okay, you mean you. <laughs> You don't mean uh, that uh, it's a Poe who's uh, physically turned inside out. <laughs> no, no. Although that is okay, a chilling so. scene, and uh, my, I, I'd like to read that. But uh, I, I think um, 
I'm not sure, but I think the uh, Detardus' uh, plan is slightly flawed. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, you know, he's he's locked up his rival. He's being creepy to the woman that he supposedly loves. Um, but I'm not, right. I'm not sure what's not working. So I don't know. A lot of guys on the internet seems to think that <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, he's being nice. I mean, guy, girls say they want a nice guy, Alan. Yeah, and this guy is so nice. I mean, he does everything thinking about her. It's really nice of him. I don't get it. So I, I think um, I think it's going to be a happy ending. That's my guess. Where, where All right, well, I think we, we will find that out probably. <laughs> probably, I'm guessing. If this has if this has a um an ending like most stories <laughs> tend to do, I think we will oh, in fact. Find no, it. actually, this is from 1915, and endings weren't invented till 1917. So, uh, oh no, is it just kind of trail off mid sentence? Yeah, or or we're gonna be here for a while. I'm not sure. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> On to part. Sorry, which part are we on to? Four. <laughs> I do not know that in French. As the part four. Adrienne met Detardus on the terrace, where he, when he came again. Do you mean to trust me? He asked. How can I be certain that it is not a lie? This news you promised me of Monsieur de Lavelle, she said uncertainly. By this. Detardus put his hand to his breast and drew out a miniature. Uh, a miniature <laughs> a what? what? Like, a, like a precious moments figurine or a, a Gundam? <laughs> I, I don't know. Adrienne could not suppress a cry. It was a likeness of herself, which she had given to De Lavelle after their betrothal. Oh, uh, I, I guess I was hoping it was yeah, a Gundam. Uh, me too. He is dead. He never would have parted with this while he lived. I swear to you that he lives, mademoiselle, and I will add this. It may be that he is in danger. He may perhaps be saved if... I will come tonight, she interrupted hastily. <laughs> She's already making plans. <laughs> My plan is going even better than I imagined. Uh, that is well, approved the baron. The moon rises in good time. It will show you the path along the valley, and Pierre shall be waiting for you by the Dent du Chat. Au revoir, mademoiselle. Yeah. yeah. Good night, Gaston. I mean, Baron. <laughs> the Baron de Tardis strode into his gloomy hall. He had been watching for the last two hours from his battlements and had just seen, under the Dent du Chat, the flicker of the little beacon which he had ordered Pierre to light as a signal that Adrian was on her way. In the hall, a sumptuous feast was laid out upon the table. A roast lamb stood at one end, faced by a young swan, of which the baron kept many pinioned upon his waters. <laughs> I mean, the the way that reads, I can't really tell if the swan is cooked or like an invitee. Oh, the, like... <laughs> lamb is, the, the lamb is roasted yet standing, so it could be both. Well, honey, uh... The Baron asked us to dinner, and yes, the swan will be there again. Oh, no, no, I, I told you, he can't help staring <laughs> at your cleavage. It's just how his neck works, all right? All right, if you're uncomfortable, then we're not going to go. That's, that's all, you, your decision. Dishes of fruits and beakers of wine glinted and shone in the flaring lights. Detardus glanced at the preparations and nodded his head in satisfaction. And then he stepped across and touched the spring which rolled back the secret panel and disclosed the cage upon the straw-strewn floor of which crouched De Lavelle. Oh, come on. I, I know it's not black tie, but you could at least tidy up your straw. Ah, my dear Comte, said he. You will perceive that my table is laid for two. The prisoner did not move. Detardus laughed. <laughs> I doubt if even your quick intelligence could guess the name of the visitor I'm about to have the honor of entertaining. Well, well, hold on. Give me a chance now. <laughs> is is the person famous from the movies? Okay. Not 
So when you, when you say not primarily, so like they've been in the movies, but that's not why they're famous. Ooh, 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 ooh. Is it Stan Lee? No. Stan Lee. <laughs> Still, the prisoner did not move. Many a time had Tatardis tortured him with a sight of food. It is just 11 o'clock, continued the Baron, 11 at night, for I suppose it is necessary to add that, since except when in my great mercy I push back the panel, you pass your time like a mole in the darkness. Now let's eat quick. You know I can't miss Fallon. (laughs) Still the prisoner lay inert upon the straw. Ah, said the Baron, I see I must tell you exactly what has occurred. Yesterday I did myself the honor of visiting Mademoiselle Adrienne, and of telling her that I had news of you. You told her that? said the prisoner in a hollow voice. Yes, indeed, said the Baron. And I added that if she would come here tonight, I would communicate this news. Adrienne here tonight? cried the prisoner. The Baron laughed. Listen, I know you're in a cage, but try to keep up. The Baron laughed. Does not her coming rejoice you? Will she not be overjoyed to meet you once again? Can you doubt it since you have seen yourself as you are now are? She who is so proud, so fastidious. <laughs> so fastidious. Yeah, she's just a fantastic filer and record keeper. It's why we both fell in love with her. But enough of that. When you see her, you will tell her that you no longer love her and that you give her back her promise. If you do this, you shall be set free before morning. Definitely before live with Kelly and Ryan. You know I have to have my Gelman. Oh, God, is Gelman still on that show? <laughs> is Gelman still alive? Yes. Oh, God. His hair will never die. Um, and if and if I refuse, demanded the prisoner, why? Then we shall enjoy ourselves together for many years to come, you and I. Be wise, my dear Comte. The sunshine and the winds are so very pleasant. Not that the choice will be a very difficult one, for she will spurn you and loathe you. Hey, and let me tell you, brother, been there, done that. <laughs> but there are one one or two details concerning the reasons which have caused me to put you in this cage that I shall expect you to corroborate. First, then, I captured you not because Mademoiselle Adrienne loved you and I loved Mademoiselle Adrienne. Oh, no, no. But because, although you were betrothed to her... You were paying your addresses to Diane Iasul, the daughter of one of my foresters. Nice. Thank you. I, hearing of this and being naturally and righteously enraged at your perfidy, seized you and punished you. It'll be just like that show Cheaters. You know, totally <laughs> fake. <laughs> Do you understand? You wish me to acknowledge and bear witness to the truth of these lies before Mademoiselle de Carteret? You forget that she will question this Diane, said the Count scornfully. She will say anything that I tell her, the Baron assured him. Understand that. You have your choice. It is not a hard one. It's easy peasy lemon squeezy. On the one side, freedom. On the other, such a life as few have endured since the beginning of the world. Ah, this must be Pierre. They have come. The baron's quick ear had caught the sound of horses in the courtyard. He pressed the spring and the panel shot forward, hiding the cage. Soon after, Pierre threw open the door. It is mademoiselle, said he. Good, go, wait for the horses in the courtyard. Uh, ask them if they said anything about me. <laughs> See they said nay, sir. Uh, see that they are fed. Nice. Meantime, thank you. Meantime, Adrienne had advanced into the room. Pale though she was, she made a beautiful picture. With her blue eyes and her raven hair against the dark and rugged background of the somber hall of Detardus. Who kissed her hand with an exaggeration of respect. You will eat after your ride, said he. See, I have drawn upon all the resources of my poor estate. 
I am grateful, replied Adrian. But I am not hungry. And not even for swan wings, your choice of sauce. <laughs> I have come here for a purpose. I desire to fulfill that purpose and then depart. Oh, tut tut, cried the baron. I shall take it ill if you thus refuse my hospitality on this, your first visit to my poor chateau. Come on, I, I cleaned the bathroom and I lit this regifted candle. I'm making an effort here. Come, sit down and taste some of the swan that is fattened in a lake surrounded by chestnut trees, and on uh -huh. the shores of which are beds of wild celery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hear that the best-tasting swans live celery-adjacent lives. <laughs> wild celery. Adrian sighed, and the two took their seats at the table. Part 5. Sunk. The Baron had arranged the lights so that they fell upon his visitor's lovely face, from which, even as he ate and drank, he hardly removed his eyes. Again and again, Adrienne tried to lead the conversation in the direction that she desired, but the Baron baffled her with his laughter and his boasting of his woods and his deer, and of the bears and wolves he had slain. For the man was a great hunter, and, after his infatuation for Adrienne, the chase was the passion of his life. <laughs> yeah. um, here's a fun game. You name an animal, and I'll tell you whether I've slaughtered one or not. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll start. Mongoose. Yes. <laughs> At length, however... The meal was over, and Adrienne broke out. Have you lured me here with a lie, that you evade all my questions? Your pardon, mademoiselle, he answered courteously. I am sorry I have offended you, if I have offended you. I will make immediate reparation. You desire to know many things concerning Monsieur de Lavelle. You shall know them all. Address, date of birth, which Disney character he is according to a BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> First, oh, he's, he's totally a goofy. First, then, I have the honor to inform you that Monsieur de Lavelle is here and has been here during the last 11 months. <laughs> I keep leaving apartment listings laying around, but he just doesn't get the hint. What? cried Adrian. This is incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Why have you kept him hidden? For a very good reason, mademoiselle, I must ask you to listen to the facts of this case. They are simple. You will hear me? Adrienne inclined her head. You must know, then, that from the day I saw you, I loved you. No, no, mademoiselle, do not interrupt me, for Adrienne had made a movement of anger. It is all part of what I have to tell you. I say that I loved you, and until the coming of this Delavelle, it may be that you looked not unkindly upon me. Maybe not as barren right, but at least barren right now. <laughs> Bear in mind, there aren't a lot of men in this city. Um, <clears throat> but before I like long... that. Bear in mind? Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> But before long, I realized that for you, there was but one man in the world. And, mademoiselle, such was my love for you that I was willing it should be so. Provided I could assure myself that that man was indeed worthy of the good fortune which had befallen him. Once I was assured of this, I decided that I would wish you happiness for the last time and retire here to my hunting and solitude and my memories of you. Spending my days wistfully plucking swans in remembrance. But, but I am the lord of no small domain. And What's that? They... You say that I'm a swan plucker? <laughs> Why, yes, I proudly pluck swans. <laughs> I'm not the swan plucker. I'm the swan plucker's son. And when this... <laughs> the rest... <laughs> And I, and I am the lord of no small domain, and whatever may occur within my marches comes to my ears sooner or later. Generally sooner, dear mademoiselle. And now my men told me that you were not the only woman for André de Lavelle. There lives over yonder 
The baron waved his hand to the east. A certain forester, Jean Wasseau. He has a daughter. Diane is her name. Of whose beauty even in your Chateau de Noirmont may have heard. Uh, you know, Miss Wood, 1583. <laughs> well, they told me that your betrothed, when he left you, rode straight to the hut in the forest and spent the evenings of the days he passed with you wandering through the woods, his arm around her and his black locks mingled with her golden ones. Oof. Lock mingling, huh? Guess it's serious, then. Do you expect me to believe that? asked Adrian scornfully. You will believe it before you leave this hall, the Baron assured her. But let me continue. When I learned of de Lavelle's treachery, rage overpowered me, and at first it was in my mind to ride to you. But my second thought was illegal kidnapping, and I stand by my choices. I should have done so that had I not realized, and rightly it seems, that you would laugh me to scorn. So I thought of another way in which I might save you. Near the hut of Jean, 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 the forester, I placed an ambush, and presently the fox was in the trap. His lips were upon Diane's when they captured him and dragged him before me. He flung himself upon the ground and begged me to keep silence. Well, Baron, you're so cool, and I was just trying to be like you, who's so successful with the ladies, and blah, 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 you know. Yes, he offered to renounce you if I would let him go, but my wrath was to be measured only by my love, and swayed by it, I cast him into prison. And then, then? asked the girl breathlessly. Now he's just waiting on his one phone call, which is due to be invented any century now. <laughs> I treated him as he deserved. Did I do right? asked Atardis. You left me without word of him all these months, she cried. For your own sake, I knew how painful it would be for you to realize that you had been betrothed to a creature so unworthy, a traitor. I thank you, but I condemn no man unheard, said Mademoiselle proudly. You say that André is imprisoned here. I must see him and permit him to defend himself. But defend himself? Yeah. Hey, Judge Judy, I'm pretty sure he's got a strong case, <laughs> but with the 11 months of imprisonment? <laughs> I mean, time served. <laughs> I, I was about to suggest that you should do so returned the baron smoothly. She had been far from expecting this easy acquiescence. In that case, the sooner the better. Shall I accompany you? She added, for the baron had risen. There is no need. I keep him close to me and watch over him very carefully. With these words, Detardus left the table and walked slowly across the hall. When he arrived opposite the secret spring, he turned and faced Adrian who was following his movements with a gaze of mingled agony and expectation. Hmm. Check it. Then, as he touched it, the panel drew back into its socket. Detardus lifted a lamp. There, cried he, there is the traitor who insulted you. The figure in the cage rose to its knees, blinking, for the sudden change from utter darkness to light rendered him blind for a moment. The next, he seized the bars of the cage, shaking and tearing at them like some imprisoned animal. Adrienne stood still. The horror of the moment completely deprived her of the power of speech. At last, words came. Who is this? Who is this? Oh, for fuck's sake, Adrian. I mean, when you sh don't shave your legs in the winter, I don't pretend not to recognize you. <laughs> but who? What is the... Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Bigfoot. <laughs> you do not recognize Comte André de Lavelle, mocked the Tardis. Oh, it's, it cannot be. It is impossible. André, André, it is not you. It cannot be you, she cried. Adrian, it is indeed I, came André's voice. Adrian! Adrian, <laughs> that's what he said. I got that, it. That is what he said. I, I, I got that reference. Uh, 
Okay. Adrian turned onto TARDIS. You have done this, this. There's no word I know that would describe you. All for your sake, mademoiselle, said the Baron. You forget that, and ha you have not questioned him. Ask him of the kisses he gave to Diane Wasso and... How? Diane Wasso. Diane Wasso. And of how he confessed to me that he cared not for you, but for your possessions. Andre, cried Adrian. Tell me that is not true. I know you too well. It is a lie, a wild invention. Tell me, and I will believe you. Uh, to be honest, it sounds made up and forced. Like a note you'd pass in middle school cafeteria. Really pretty lame stuff. Oh, my Andre, my poor Andre, tell me. Your Andre, repeated the man in the cage. Do you mean that? He said you would turn from me with hatred and disgust, that you would loathe the sight of me who have no longer the appearance of a human being. Bah, cried the Baron. You see how he shirks an answer. If you do not answer at once, I will press the spring. That's, that's, a, oh, that's a common threat. I will press the spring. Then I will answer. Most noble Ambrose, Baron de Tardis, and High Seigneur of Jarak, <laughs> replied the prisoner contemptuously. You have said that I walked in the woods with Diane Wasso, and that I renounced the Lady Adrienne in my fear of what you might do to me in your righteous indignation. I will answer, oh yes, I will answer that charge. It's a Total lie and no um, hand slipped. Oh well, <laughs> Diane. I never, <clears throat> Diane. I never heard of until an hour ago, when you told me that if I acknowledged my love for her, I should be free before dawn. As to the renunciation which you commanded me to make, I have this to say. I love the Lady Adrienne and her only, and her I will continue to love until death. The Baron sprang forward. Well, fudge. <laughs> Do you understand what you say? He cried. And then seeing in Adri Adrian's eyes how utterly his plan had miscarried, he broke into uncontrollable rage. Do you realize the words that you have spoken condemn you to spend the rest of your life where you are? I shall at least have the sweet memory of your chagrin to keep me company, said the prisoner. Have no fear, Andre. I will raise the countryside. I will rescue you, cried Adrian. The Baron smiled. This castle can stand a two years' siege, said he. We could survive on swan soup for decades. <laughs> Even if you can prevail upon people to come and besiege it, which I think you will find it hard to do. Besides, I will deny that Monsieur de Lavelle is here. And I will tell everyone that I saw him myself, said the girl. Oh, uh, no, because I... Uh, <laughs> Do not forget to add the fact that the hour at which you saw him was in the middle of the night, and that you came alone of your own free will to the Chateau de Tartas, the Baron reminded her. A haughty smile crossed Adrienne's features. Can you imagine that I will shrink from telling the whole truth? She said. Adrienne, Adrienne, you give me courage to die, not once, but many times, cried Andre. Mm, not helping, Andre. <laughs> you will need it, said the Baron grimly. And now, Mademoiselle, my last word, Fluffernutter. No, I'm sorry. Um, my last word, wed me. And this man shall have his liberty. Refuse and return home, and when you lie upon your bed, think that he and I are together. Uh, wait, um, mm -hmm. uh, that didn't come out, right? <laughs> I, I meant to say, it'll just be the two of us by ourselves, except when Pierre joins us, and, uh, mm. Not better. 
not not better. And that's some of the old implements of torture, which my ancestors used so wisely, are still to be found in this castle. Those thoughts will give you pleasant dreams. And now I will leave you to talk it over and to make your choice. You shall have ten minutes together. Um, I've got to go drop off the little barons at the moat, if you get me. <laughs> ten minutes? What are they going to do with the other eight? Oh! I will wait in the next room. <clears throat> Part six. Or sex, as it were. The moment they were alone, Adrienne rushed forward and caught the hand which Andre had thrust through the bars and covered it with kisses. Ooh, I gotta tell you, there isn't exactly Purell in here, Ooh. so... Ooh, he's probably got those, uh... There's uh, long nails, like the, like the Indian guy from the Guinness Book of World Records. Ugh. I'm sorry, which Book of World Records? <laughs> the Guinness Book of World Records. I'm pronouncing okay. it in French. It's uh, the Guinness. <laughs> ah, le Guinness. <laughs> there, there is no one like you in the world, Adrienne, he told her. Can I not free you? She asked. No, he carries the key upon his person. It, it may be possible to break the padlock, suggested Adrian frantically. To do so would need the strength of six men and is far beyond yours. Adrian, how did you find the courage to come here? Do you realize the risks you have run for my sake? I am running no risks, she said calmly. What do you mean? I have a vial of poison. I brought it in case in case he should refuse to let me go. Mm, okay, we have different definitions of the word risk then. <laughs> poison, whispered Andre. You have a vial of poison? Where? In my bosom. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, let me, let me see what else I've got in there. A handkerchief, some lip balm, a taser. Yeah, it looks, it looks like the poison is our best bet. I've always said that girl is poison. And never trust a big butt with a smile. Uh, then I pray you to put some of it in a cup of wine and give it to me. Once I am dead, his threats will have no power for you. But Adrienne's eyes were blazing with a light that Andre de Laval had never seen before. She crossed swiftly to the table and lifted the great flagon of Tarragona wine that stood upon it. From this she poured out a cup, and then, shielding the flagon with her body from any gaze which might be turned upon it from the direction of the door, she emptied it into the vial of poison. She emptied into it the vial of poison. Next, with a firm step, she went to the door and called out the name of the baron. It was a full minute before he came, for he'd gone to give some orders to Pierre. As he entered the hall, Adrienne spoke. I have decided, said she. And your decision, asked her host, that I will marry you when and where you wish. And, lifting the cup of tarragona wine, she drank it to its dregs. And so I pledge to you, my lord and master. Das Vidanya. The baron stared for a moment. Then, springing forward, he filled a cup from the great flagon and Turning to his prisoner, who was clinging to the bars and pressing his bearded face against them, he shouted, She comes readily to my arms, does she not, my most dear Comte? I drink, I drink deep to the loveliest of wives. Detardus placed the cup empty upon the table, then seized with a new thought. He filled it again. And you too shall drink, you too, he cried, and he handed it through the bars of the cage. Shots on me, everybody. Hey, I just got engaged. <laughs> Jaeger bombs! Andre de Lavelle took it and held it up as if to drink. For a moment, Adrian's heart stood still, for she had no, long, no idea how long the poison would need for its work. And she knew that, did the Baron suspect anything, all hope would be over. Would it, would it really be over? Does he have the number for poison control on a fridge magnet? <laughs> Could she just... And then, I think we already established they haven't invented the telephone or the refrigerator <laughs> yet. But magnets, they have. Hey, magnets, yeah, totally. Magnets. Yeah, they just stick them to rocks. 
hey, we didn't invent magnets, man. They invented us. <laughs> but, but De Laval was equal to the occasion. With a wild gesture, he dashed the cup to the floor of his cage. I do not drink from the cup that has been touched by the lips of a traitor. The Baron laughed. <laughs> Good times. I am going to miss you, man. <laughs> this cage will not be the same without you in it, I swear. As you wish, those lips have other work to do, he said, and advanced towards Adrienne. She shrank back from him, and then, as he still came on, she saw that his steps were not steady, and that his eyes were filled with a strange wildness. He caught her in his arms. She struggled, fighting him off. Suddenly, without warning, his jaws snapped together, and he fell forward upon his face. Mm -mm. Planking was so 2011, man. Come on. He carries the key in his belt, said the prisoner. In a moment more, Adrienne had opened the cage and, blessing her name, André de Laval crept across the threshold. It was the first time for eleven months, so he could not stand upright, but shambled round the hall with uncouth and hesitating paces. He came to the body of the baron. He, he, he is not dead, he cried. See, he moves. Detardus's eyes were open and his hands groped feebly. Oh, 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 God, oh. Oh, I, oh, man, I think it was the swan. I knew they weren't supposed to be green. <laughs> Dithavel bent over him. He is recovering. The poison was much diluted in the great flagon. He cried again. Oh, heaven is not unjust after all. He plucked the pistol from the baron's belt. Whoa. <laughs> he plucked the pistol from the baron's belt and put it in the breast of his own shirt. Um, can you can you work out the physics of that? No, I, I think he needs to follow Zombieland rules and uh, do a headshot. That's that's my opinion. He plucked the pistol from the Baron's belt and put it in the breast of his own shirt. Afterward, with a strength born of of fury which none could have believed him to possess, he dragged a Tardis to the cage and thrust him into it, locking the door upon him. Then he touched the secret spring, and the panel shot back. However loudly he shouts, he will not be heard. The triple iron deadens all sound. Quick, André, let us leave this awful place, cried Adrian. Where are the horses? he asked. Pierre is waiting with them in the courtyard. Swiftly they passed down the stair and stood in the shadow of the arch. In the courtyard they could see two horses tied to rings in the wall, but Pierre was not visible. They ran across, untied the bridles, and mounted. Away, Adrienne, my darling, ride on, said Andrea. I follow. I, um, I just uh, forgot my straw pile. I gotta go back and get it. Won't be a moment. Also, there's this volleyball that I became really close friends with, so just, just hold on. What did you name your volleyball? <laughs> Jacques? Okay. <laughs> Without a word, Adrienne turned her horse down the steep incline from the castle gate, and soon they were flying across the track between the chestnut trees. André de Lavelle watched until a bend in the road hid her from his sight. Then he lifted up his voice and shouted, Pierre! Coming, Monsieur le Baron, coming, called out a voice, and a man, rubbing the sleep from his eyes, ran out from a firelit doorway in which he had been snoring. De Lavelle, wrapped in the Baron's coat, sat in the saddle with a pistol aimed carefully over the crook of his arm. At the shot, Pierre fell. Uh, I, I deserve this, but I really feel like I was underused in the plot. Then Lavelle gave rein to his horse and galloped after Adrienne. By dawn, two of the three human beings alive who knew the secret of the cage were nearing Noirmont. The third was beating the bars with, ple with bleeding hands and screaming, Pierre! 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 But Pierre came not, and the thick walls held their secret for many a year. Uh, hey, honey, what do you think this thing does? 
Uh, you know what? I I think I'm going to email Airbnb customer service. <laughs> the end. Oof. Thrilling. Top-notch story, really. Oh, it was top <laughs> as notching fuck. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. You got a, no, it's a little, a little uh, mini O Henry there. Yeah, with a little po twist, and um, yeah. you know, I, I like to feel that I brought something to it by mispronouncing everyone's names constantly. Um, nice, yeah, very. <laughs> very top notch of you this this is nothing if not a very well planned out uh podcast um yeah. but yeah what did i feel like uh what do you think the moral of that particular story was alan mm, well i think it really just came down to his plan where i think it's basically like don't don't try to do all your evil in-house you you want to use the licensed and bonded evil contractor mm-hmm. to help draw up some plans for you mm-hmm. and get the permits and then I mean you can you can contribute you can put in sweat equity but you don't want to think up all the evil on your own. For me, uh, the moral was don't serve Swan until you've sealed the deal because those things are expensive. And oh God, yeah. You you've you've got to make sure you've boated that bass before you pull out the no. Swan. You don't you don't swipe and then and swan. You don't swipe and swan. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode. So uh, tune in next time, everybody, for another exciting interrupted. Well, they didn't use Pierre at all. I mean, why was he even in there? Just so he could have a henchman. I don't Tail. know.